Let us pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Last week, my inspiration for the sermon was stirred by the collect for Second Advent. I shared how this collect found a place in our prayer book all the way from the Church of South India via the Anglican Church in Uganda. I spoke about the danger of making theology subservient to a specific culture and how I hear the voice of the one crying in the wilderness of our religious landscape, urging us to look beyond our immediate context and experience the richness of God's presence through different cultures and contexts. In so doing, I shared my own very real experience of finding God to be relevantly present in every aspect of my life once I am able to appreciate God's presence in a completely different culture and through completely different sets of assumptions about his presence. What you just heard is the Cliff Notes version of last week's sermon. Now, for this week, I want us to remain in the mood of preparation and that of hope that Advent season affords us. This week, like the last week, I will emphasize that Advent is primarily about the second coming of Jesus, our Christ. Yes, we remember his first coming. And yes, we open ourselves for his presence in our daily lives. But the real hope and joy is very much associated with the second coming. I understand that today, in our day and culture, we don't necessarily like to think about the second coming of Christ. So much has been written and so much imagination has been deployed to this subject that the real hope of the second coming is lost in the gory details of the judgment day and all that must precede it. And for good reason, then, we conclude, what is so hopeful about that? Also, we perhaps no longer live in a cultural context that finds it right to completely trust in our historical faith and the creedal statements that the church, in spite of all its divisions, still holds in common. And then there is always the compulsion to be unique and imaginative and different. However, whether we like it or not, there is a consistency in our faith that we lose when we shift our focus from the second coming of Christ. Yes, we can express all our dislike for those who have made the second coming of Christ to conjure for us images of doomsday. It still does not change the fact that the second coming 
is perhaps one of the most powerful assertions of our faith that gives us the ultimate joy, hope, peace, and assurance. In the Apostles' Creed, we recount the life of Jesus our Christ and make creedal statements about his purpose. We say, the third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God, the <clears throat> Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. And then, after we make statements about our belief in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, we then make very clear statement of belief that we believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. That is how we recount Jesus' life and purpose. His resurrection comes, gives us the hope of the resurrection of our bodies. And it is his coming again to judge the quick and the dead which gives us the hope of everlasting life because, as the Nicene Creed puts it, his kingdom shall have no end. Both the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed end on the hopeful note of looking forward to the life of the world to come. So, what does it mean when we make these affirmations of our faith every time we worship, either through the words of the Apostles' Creed or through the words of the Nicene Creed? Let me say this first. I know many of us think that the advantage of being an Episcopalian is that we can believe in whatever we want and still be welcomed in the community of the faithful. Dare I say that, is not a very accurate understanding of Christian faith. No matter which family of church tradition we may be a part of. Yes, we are free to have independent views, theological pursuits, and rationals, and the like. But the reason why creedal statements such as the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed exist is solely because Christian faith is not about making truth claims that may only serve a single person or a single community. But that truth is much beyond our power, control, articulation, and experience. And therefore, we only hold as true that which the entire church has agreed and upheld as true. That is the whole point of the creedal statements. So, we believe what all other Christians, regardless of denominations, hold in common. But yes, we may entertain and appropriate that truth in our unique ways. With that said, let me try to say this as simply as I can. 
The Christian experience is that God has been present with us through the beginning of time. God has given us rules to follow. God has sent us prophets to remind us of those rules and their imperative purpose. We, on the other hand, have continuously fallen short of what we are required to do. Yet, yet, God does not hold that against us, but loves us so deeply that he comes down to be amongst us in a real physical way. This God lives out a life of love. In that love, he bears the cross, and in that love, his earthly body meets death. And then, that earthly body resurrects. The disciples witness the wounds and marks of that body. And then, that Jesus, in that body, ascends. All what I have said so far are factual statements because they come to us as witnesses from real flesh and blood people. And then, the experience of the Holy Spirit and the development of the Church unfolds to us the connection. This connection is very simple and very logical. We are still the same people who try very hard yet fail most of the times. And we are the same people that God loves despite this very innate shortcoming. So, now when we live in the presence of the Holy Spirit, we certainly can witness the glimpse of how God intends his kingdom to be. But we are not there. And we are inherently unable to get there. And that is why, even when we may have not yet experienced this, or may have not been a witness to it yet, we can logically, we can be logically consistent that when Jesus comes again, what we witness as only a glimpse will be true universally, all the time, and for all times. And that is what gives us hope, gives us joy, gives us peace, and gives us assurance. And that assurance is the blessed hope of life everlasting. So that is why today we can pray. Just as our faith ancestors have prayed before us. And our contemporaries are praying today. And our descendants should never forget to pray. Stir up your power, O Lord. And with great might, come among us. And because we are sorely hindered by our sins, let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us. 
through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory now and forever. Amen.